Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, fight fans? This is Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast, episode number 62. And it's the Lomachenko versus Pedraza, champion versus champion preview episode. Plus, we've got all the other action coming up over the weekend. But first, to find us, you need to go onto Twitter and follow us at BTR Boxing Pod and on Facebook, Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. And you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM. You know what? You know the drill now. You know where to find us. Keep going on there. Keep giving us a follow. Leave some comments for us. Leave some reviews. They really help us. We really appreciate it. And I'm now joined by Jordy Neald. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad to get you back on. We've got to dial in tonight, obviously, because it's been a bit of a hectic week for the pair of us. So we'll do a dial in tonight and then, you know, we'll get back to the studio stuff, I think, next week and uh, get some clear, crisp quality audio coming into the listeners ears yeah and I think that's what it's all about isn't it but as you said we had a bit of a crazy week last week with uh, Fury Wilder and then you know this week's just been a bit been a bit up in the air for both of us so you know as long as we're getting it done that's what it's about that's what it is all about and today we're going to be doing a little bit of a preview for Lomachenko Pedraza as it is for me the fight of the weekend it's the fight that I think I'm definitely looking forward to most even though a lot of people out there are suggesting this is going to be an easy fight no I mean I think anyone Lomachenko fights now it's like oh yeah easy fight you know you could probably go up to like cruiserweight and people go oh yeah he'll win easy but (laughs) I think that's just that's just the level he's fighting at isn't it? it it's sort of a ridiculous level. He's a ridiculous talent, ridiculous boxer. So the fact he's fight he's in a unification fight and you know, people are still saying it's it's so one sided. It's just it's unheard of really, but you know, if he's gonna fight anyone who's gonna give him a challenge, it's gotta be another world champion. So, you know, Jose Pedraza's right up against it, but you know, he's gotta try and he's gotta try and put something out the bag against an, an absolute 
exceptional talent in Lomachenko, pound for pound number one for me. Yeah, definitely pound for pound number one at the moment. He's, he's coming out of a really good crop of Ukrainian fighters, obviously with the likes of Usyk in camp as well. And his, his, his career after 12 fights, professional, he's just standing up to anybody's at this stage of the career. The guys he's been in with, we was talking about this earlier, was talking about the fact that he fought Orlando Salido in his second fight for a world title. And then he's been on to fight Walters. He's been on to fight Roman Martinez. He's obviously made Rigondo quit. And it's just it's just mental to look at his resume and look at where he is and think, bloody hell, this guy's pound for pound number one in just 12 fights. Yeah, I mean, he's just doing things his own way, isn't he? Like, I know he dropped like a split decision to Salido in his second fight, but, you know, that in itself is uh, it's just extraordinary. You know, people don't move that fast. And I think he's sort of been the one who set this trail of, you know, taking fights earlier than than you like traditionally should have and you know we're seeing more and more people are fighting you know bigger fights in 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 less time so yeah as you said you know he made Rigondo quit he uh done a job on Walters you know that knockout on Martinez was was a highlight real stuff and then obviously he had that barnstorm with Linares last time out so yeah he's out to this point it's been a it's been an exceptional career and, you know, it's only gone one way. I can understand why people are saying it is going to be a walkover fight because you said it there, you know, we've both agreed the level of opposition he's been in with after only 12 fights, but that's because of all the fights he had as an amateur, the ridiculous amounts of fights he had as an amateur and the ridiculous record he walked away with. He's, he's unheard of. He's unheard of. He's, you know, there's not many fighters that can honestly say they've had the amateur background he's had. And in fact, I don't think there's very many fighters at all that can, you know, sit in the same esteem as him in terms of amateur boxing and amateur fights. And what he's achieved is, you know, amazing. And it sounds like we're kind of really, really bigging him up, but it's, it's hard not to big the guy up with what he's achieved so far in boxing. But Pedraza, you know, he isn't a slouch. You can't make him out like he's some sort of shit fighter. He's not a shit fighter. He's, he's, he's had one loss on his record out of 26 fights, and that's against Giovanni Davis, who looks like he is going to be a talent if he keeps himself in check outside of the ring. But other than that, you know, he's been in and beat Beltran for the title earlier on this year in August, and he's shown me in that fight that there is something to Pedraza as a fighter and that there is something more than just a guy who you know, can be walked over once he steps up. And I think for a few rounds on Saturday night, he's, he's going to give Lomachenko a little bit of something to think about because of his style. But I, I honestly think that Lomachenko as a fighter... He, 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 you know he, the guy the guy can work out a Rubik's Cube man you know he's like the boxing the boxing's version of being able to work out a bloody Rubik's Cube in like 10 seconds he knows he's such an intelligent fighter in the ring that he probably will work Pedraza out quite quickly and you know we may see a repeat of what we've seen before with Lomachenko but I am I've got to give a lot I've got to give Pedraza a chance because he's a world champion at the end of the day you can't just sit there and say it's a walkover fight when he's fighting another world champion yeah I mean as you said he he's just so intelligent he's just so far ahead of everyone else and it's it's hard for people to um, accept really once they're in the ring you know and they can just see someone who's just so much better than them in every department and that's been the case for everyone you know even great fighters like Lonares who you know he did put him on his backside and you know Lonares was uh, there to the to the end but it's one of them like, he just he just seems to be levels and levels above people and as you touched on his amateur record is where he's done all this ground and where you know, he's like, you think he was 396 and one. Yeah. He got beat by a, a Russian called uh, Selimov, but he avenged that defeat. So, essentially, he's beat every single person he's ever been in a ring with. 
it's just it's just absolutely it's it's mind blown. So yeah, as you say, you can't you can't uh, disregard what Pedras has done in his own career. He's only been beat by Javonta Davis, who you know we all know is a good fighter. He never gets to fight with his current promotional situation, but when he does get in the ring, he's a good fighter. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's so hard to make a case, but you've got to respect him for for being the one who's who's getting in the ring with Lomachenko and. Lomachenko stoppage down the stretch and in terms of the predictions for the fight you just said a Lomachenko stoppage down the stretch there and it's it's hard not to think that's the way it's going to go but I think like you said you touched on the heritage of Pedraza and you know he's a proud Puerto Rican fighter and I think you know all the Puerto Rican fighters like Cotto and Trinidad we've seen over the years great great heart in them and you know great desire and will to win and I think Pedraza will give it his best I think ultimately we're going to see Lomachenko pick up the victory and and pick up a second world title and that kind of leads us nicely on really to what the future could hold uh, or will hold for Lomachenko if he beats Pedraza on Saturday night which is a fight with Anthony Crawler a shot for Anthony Crawler so that we know that's going to happen that's been confirmed in the past couple of weeks that Crawler is basically the, the, the you know the first and that Lomachenko's going to fight next you'd be hoping for the for Pedraza win I'm sure just in <laughs> terms of getting his hand on, on another world title I reckon he'll have an old Puerto Rican flag in his house if anyone goes past it but it's, it's just one of them like he, Crawler's another one who's you know he's done his, he's done the hard yards in the game so he probably deserves a shot at Lomachenko as much as anyone you know on the circuit so yeah it's what like, I'd love to see him over in Manchester. That'd be that'd be unreal. And I think you know Lomachenko being so close to Yusuf, he's probably got a taste of it, and he, he probably would be up for it because that's another thing he's going to add to his legacy. You know now, you know I know he's been based in uh, America mostly, so to start you know going to other people's backyards and doing a bit like what Yusuf's doing, I reckon that might be something that interests Lomachenko. So yeah, I'd love to see him in Manchester against Crawler, but it probably be it probably be the same chat we're having about this, like because. You know, it's, it's so hard to sit here and try and study the fight and, and try and make a case for Pedraza because Lomachenko's just, he's just better than everyone at the end of the day. <laughs> He's, he's not the best fighter in the world and he's just better than everyone that's well, just the bottom line well that is the bottom line that is definitely the bottom line with it because he is ranked by a lot of boxing media outlets as number one pound for pound fire in the world and there's a reason for that it's because of like we said the depth of his resume and the level of fighters on his resume you get fighters you know with records of 25 26 and all but yet who've they fought and that's the question you ask. Whereas when you look at Lomachenko's after 12 fights, it's a who's who of who he's, who he's fought. So yeah, for me, that, that's going to be a massive telling factor on the night. And I expect a Lomachenko win. I expect him to come through it. And I probably expect him to be here in the UK, in Manchester, you know, maybe April, May next year. And, and that's what I'm expecting out of this fight. But I think it's... He's got the potential to be the best fight of the weekend if a, a, a very game Pedraza turns up and doesn't go into his shell too early. We've seen Lomachenko basically beat his opponents into submission. Nicholas Walters retired after, what, seven, eight rounds. And obviously there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's uh, Rigondeaux as well. And, you know, they essentially quit in that fight. So he kind of beats his opponents into submission. He just completely outclasses them that much. That they just want to walk away and go, you know what, yeah. I don't want any more. As I said, as I said, like it's it's just demoralising. It's like it's almost demoralising to watch the, the, the goal thing. These two is just you know it's the same with the Rigondo thing. Like Rigondo's such an amazing fighter, an amazing amateur, amazing. But he was just 
he was even a couple of levels below. Yeah, I think he beats people into submission just by pure frustration. You know, you can't... Like, I know Lenar has got through to him, but you can't pin him down. He's just so hard to work out. And I just don't think any fighters have got the mental capacity to, to just keep up with it for 12 rounds. So the card itself, as I was alluding to earlier on, uh, it's only got four fights on it, but three of them four fights are featuring well-known fighters in America. And the next fight on the card, Super Bantamweight WBO title on the line, Isaac Dogbay, not Isaac Dogbo, Isaac Dogbay, 20-0 WBO Super Bantamweight champion defending his title against Emmanuel Navarrete. And again, you said it to me previously, Geordie, about Dog Bay and his background and sleeping in gyms with his dad and training with his dad wherever they could. And I tell you what, this guy's got some story, but he just seems like a, a genuinely down-to-earth man. Yeah, I mean, he's a superstar, isn't he? And, um, the fact that um, he's spent a lot of his life in, in the UK is, is something that we should we should hold on to and try and sort of get behind him because the story outside of the ring, for anyone who doesn't know it, you know, just go and have a little read-up. He was literally sleeping, as you just said, he was sleeping in gyms, him and his dad were trained in parks and, you know, it's sort of a story you only heard about him in movies. Yeah, I mean, even the way he won his, his world title, he was down in the first round, I believe, if I, if I remember right, and then he come back to put Magdaleno down and, and took the and took the title, but yeah, he's just had a, an amazing life. Obviously, he's trying to make money now, but I'd love to see him. You know, get some fights over here. Yeah, no, definitely. That's the thing. I think before uh, the Magdaleno fight, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really know who he was, uh, and that's not just because yeah. I'm, I'm being ignorant to, to to the fact that he was around. But he moved obviously to America for quite a few fights over in America, fought in his native homeland of Ghana quite a few times, and then it's when he started to get more fights and exposure over in America where he started to really come to the forefront of the sort of wider audience for, for boxing fans and for the last three fights everybody knows who he is now and all the interviews that have been put out there from different outlets you get the feel of the man and, and fair play you know he deserves everything that he comes to him and I, I you know genuinely think he's going to pick up another victory and his opponent Navarrete I, I, I don't know much about him I'm not, again I'm not being ignorant but he's a guy that's fought mainly in Mexico in his, in his homeland and all of his fights have been against guys that have got you know a sort of 50-50-ish record so it seems quite a padded yeah. quite a padded record to be honest with you so I don't really get the impression that I could be totally wrong the guy's only 23 years old but he could be a superstar in the making and I could be you know talking shit but again judging off what I can see and judging off what I've read about his opponent Navarrete he just looks like a guy who's not really been up against anybody that's going to give him the experience he would have need, needed to to be in a, in the ring with Dogbay. Yeah, it's tough, really, in that in that sort of super bantamweight division, especially on the world. In that much depth to it, you know, it's like I think Navarrete is quite high in the government bodies and stuff, and he's got he's sort of a fighter who's not really had as many big fights as he probably would want. You know, he's got a twenty six fight record and. He's only twenty three. Probably speaks volumes to that. Yeah, no, that's it, isn't it? And that's what we want to see. We want to see the big fights. We want to see the unification fights. Dog Bay's at the stage where I think that's what what we want to see. Now he's he's done his time. He's done his learning fights. He's a world champion. We want to see unification fights for him. So if he comes through this on Saturday, I'm expecting him to move on and hopefully look at some sort of unification bout in the future. Uh, another another superstar in the making on the undercard in Tiafimo Lopez, currently ten and zero with eight knockouts on his record. He is continuing his step up in the 
right direction as he goes in against Mason Menard, who's 34-3. and So the last two fights of Lopez's, uh, again, Vitor Jones, who was 14-1, and and against William Suva, who was 25-1. and now, for me, that is is quite impressive at this early stage of his career. The fact that he's been here with guys that have only got one loss on the records, uh, a lot more experience, but yet he's knocking him out for fun. Yeah, I mean, he's he's quite well well thought of, isn't he? You know, he's signed with top rank, and you know, he's got he's got some money behind him. So I think they're trying to move him fast and try and sort of cash in on the fact that he seems to have got a lot, seems to have a lot going for him outside of the ring and obviously inside the ring. So. Yeah, he's an he's an Olympian. You know, he got beat quite early in the in the Olympics, but you know he's still an Olympian and he's got he's building up he's a little record. So you'd be probably hoping to move quick, and you know that, that makes it exciting for us as fans. Oh, no, of course he does. It does make it exciting for us as fans. And when you look at his opponent, his opponent is no slouch. His opponent is, is a, a respectable opponent. He has been in with the likes of Raimundo Beltran. He's been in with the likes of Devin Haney, another great prospect over in America at the moment. And they're two names on that record that the wider audience will probably know. So he hasn't. he's not got a bad record at all. He's not just somebody who's just completely fought padded record fighters. He has actually been in there, you know, with some from decent opposition position yes okay he's lost to some of the the, the the better fighters out there but that just goes to show you that if Tiafimo Lopez comes through a guy like Menard then he obviously is ready for that next step up in his career and uh, you know another great knockout <laughs> on Saturday night will definitely do wonders for him yeah definitely I think he'll probably be looking at that sort of Devin Haney you know trying to better what he did you know that's what these fighters do they want to they want to look better than the rivals so that was only two fights ago so it's 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 not like it, it years of things have changed so that'll be something he's, he's looking at i'm sure and yeah it's just it'll be a good little fight he, i just have to answer a few questions yeah, no, definitely. A couple of other fights just to mention over in the USA before we get over to the UK's matchroom bill this weekend. Uh, Cecilia Breakhouse is fighting Alexandra Lopez, defending her titles. And then we've got our good old favourite friend of the podcast, the resident racist, Claressa Shields, defending her world titles against Femke Hermans this weekend as well. Clarissa Shields is just one of these. She's just, she's, she's always going to be controversial, isn't she? People like her, people don't like her, and I think it probably works. Right? I think women's boxing probably needs a bit of an enemy and someone to. And she's definitely ticks that box. She's definitely a heel. <laughs> That's for sure. She is definitely yeah. a, a heel of boxing. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Let's go over to the UK bill on the match room boxing bill in Sheffield this weekend and. Uh, again, I don't want to touch too much on the whole card because I was saying it to you before. I, I'm not really looking forward to it in in the sense that I think it's a good card because I actually think it's uh, on paper it's not the greatest card in the world. I mean, we're going to talk about the main fight now, which is Kell Brook versus Michael Safara. This is not a fight I wanted to see back for Brook. I wanted to see a more high-profile fight for him. Uh, I'm not. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> For Kel Brook, you know, his reign, his reign as you know, IBF champion was just, you know, the people he fought. Frankie Gavin, okay, you know, got assaulters, but then fighters like Bizier and Jojo Dan and just didn't take off. And it's sort of been a common theme now where he's just not having the fights that we need him to be in and he needs to be at his age. No. Like, what what does this fight really do? I seen at the end today trying to say, oh, yeah, it's a good fight for Kel to get back in the mix too, but like. Surely he's past that stage now. You know what I mean? He doesn't need these these tuna fights. He's thirty two, former world champion. Like he doesn't need to be fighting these fights. 
No, he doesn't. This is a bullshit fight for me, this. I'm sorry, but it is. I'm not going to hold any, 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 you know, any punches or pull any punches on this, sorry. It is a shit fight for him to be coming back to. We don't want to see these fights. What we want to see is Kelbrook challenging big fighters. Yeah, this Amir Khan fight doesn't look like it might be happening now because he might be fighting Terence Crawford, which, to be honest with you, I don't blame Khan if he goes for Crawford. Crawford or Brooke, who would you go for? Exactly, and he, if he never gets beat by Crawford, the Brooke fight's still there because Brooke has got nowhere else to go. He's like, he's, he's just not going to get a big fight unless it's Khan, in my opinion. But, I, you know, like, I'm a fan of Eddie and like, I, I, people give him a low, but, you know, I think he's, so, he's definitely been good for boxing on our shows. But to listen to him today trying to sell this card, it's like, you know, this is a really good card, and it's just, it's just. Sometimes you just gotta call a shit a shit, you know what I mean? This, <laughs> this is shit, and it's it's we're all gonna watch because we're fans at the end of the day. But it's when when all this pay per view stuff started, and you know every other fight was pay per view. We were told that you know putting all this money in through pay per view means the standard Saturday night fight nights are gonna be better, and it's just not the case. You know, <laughs> this is just there's definitely better shows across the country over the next couple of weeks that are happening in small halls with no television than this one. I'm being serious about that. It's like, apart from the Josh Kelly fight's the one that you probably look at and think, you know, yeah, I'll watch that. But same with, like, Kid Galahad, he's, like, 25-0 and 0 now. He's fighting a guy who's 10-4. and 4. <laughs> It's just doing nothing for nobody. No, it's fuck, you know what? It's not. That's why I said it's a bullshit. It's a bullshit card. And, yeah, okay, we, we, we're not actually paying for this card. It's not on uh, box office, but it's... It's a shit, shit show. It's not one where I think anybody's looking forward to. I mean, Josh Kelly's fight against uh, Avanasian is the most interesting fight on that card for the sole fact is that Josh Kelly looks like he's going to be a superstar and for them to be putting him in with Avanasian at this stage, for me, is, is a statement of intent and if he beats him in an emphatic fashion or even dominates him on points, then it says towards Josh Kelly is the real deal and he really is going to be able to step up and, and probably hang it at world level the way we've seen Josh Taylor step up and do that so that's that's what's interesting for this bill but the fact that you've seen Kid Galahad in against a 10-4 and four fighter uh, when really the guy should be fighting you know essentially world title challengers former world title challengers or at least someone in the top 10 ranking uh, of, of whichever belts uh, you know or rankings he, he's in I can't remember which one he's in if it's WBO or WBA he's ranked quite highly with but he should be looking at trying to make fights with them as opposed as opposed to making fights with, with guys like uh, you know who he's in with this weekend whose name I can't remember yeah it's, it's like I think it's Mariana or Mariana but anyway it's not someone that is going to cause many problems in my opinion but like, he's calling for fights with like Warrington and Frampton and saying I'm having the winner so them two lads will just look at him and say, like, what do you bring? Exactly. The biggest name on his record is probably, I know he had a good a good scrap in, well, a well-respected opponent in America last time out, but I think his biggest fight probably Jazz Addictions, which was years ago. You know, he's had his drug problems and stuff after that, so I, don't, I can't see him getting involved. See, world title, especially not Hampton or Warrington. You know, if I was there, you just don't need him in your career. No, I, I I agree. I, I'm just again. It's hard to sit here and, and and look at the card and say you know actually it's a good card. And I do feel for for the prospects that are on this card. You know the guys like Cage Ashfak and female fighter Terry Harper. You know the, the Callum Hancock. These guys are you know really. It's great that they're getting these the you know these on a bill like this. But really. 
I'd, I'd, you know, they'd probably be better off on a small hall show, to be honest with you, than this, because half these fights you won't even see unless you're there, so you're not really going to get to see them on the telly, or, or even on, like, the Facebook 6 o'clock starts, so you, you're really going to be focusing on, like, your Galahad's Fowler, Josh Kelly, the John O'Carroll fight against, again, uh, Guillaume Frenot, who's, again... A, a, a guy that's got probably one of the most padded records I've ever seen. Yeah, it's one of them. Like I think John O's got like three knockouts in however many fights, eighteen, nineteen. And Freno's got twelve knockouts in forty-seven fights. So it's one of them that's going to go the distance. You know, if you want to make any money on the weekend, we're going to do a bit of a betting thing later. But I've left that out on purpose because it's just, it's just, there's nothing in it. But yeah, I think that one's for sure going to be going the, be going the distance. I know John O stopped uh, Declan Geraghty last time out, but. You know, Declan's not always always lived the life, so to speak. So, you know, sometimes that can that can sort of blow smoke. But yeah, even that one, he, you know, he's got John's got to have that fight before he get more damage, I'd imagine. But yeah, it's not. I'm not. You know, you were saying before about Josh Kelly being the superstar, and I'm probably one of the only people who's just not bought into it. Yet. I think he's flashy and stuff like that, and it's all great. And he you know, comes out to, like Michael Jackson and stuff like that, <laughs> brilliant, like all the best to him. But I, I don't. I'm just not. I'm not sold yet, and I don't. I don't think I will be for a while. I don't see like what we've seen to sort of suggest that he's this big superstar. In my uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but. He, 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 he just needs to be stepped up and this is the step up fight and if we see him go in there against a guy who's been in with a former world title, world champion sorry then if he does a number on him then for me that that shows that he's he's definitely stepping up a level and he's definitely better than the journeyman that they're sticking him in with so this is why i think he's he's going in the right direction and yeah okay i'll admit he's looked really good against journeyman fighters he's looked great against journeyman fighters and essentially at this stage of the career that's what you would expect these guys to be at but Josh Kelly's got a story damage career he's another former Olympian do you know what I mean it's you're exp- no I don't get that but like I think what sort of doesn't sit with me is the fact showboats against against you know what we call journeyman and that's never sat well with me I just you know I don't get why why it would why it's necessary and stuff like that and you know what he fought Carlos Molina I think was that Joshua Parker card yeah and that was that was just a great bit of matchmaking because Carlos Molina obviously has had a good career but he's got no ambition whatsoever so that looks better than it actually is you know then he fought Chris George okay we've seen that before where people come over with so it's a semi-decent record but it doesn't add up and then the one round blowout in Manchester which the fella didn't look like he wanted to be in there from the minute the bell went so yeah this fight will definitely tell us more but as I said I just I don't get why I just don't understand the big the big hype around Josh Kelly at the minute but maybe I'm in the minority and maybe I'm just chatting shit and I'm just totally wrong <laughs> yeah, but, uh, just, I'd rather be honest than, than jump on the train <laughs> no I, that's a fair comment uh, it's a fair comment I mean I think he's he's got the potential to be a superstar I'm not saying he's a superstar now because I don't think he is but he looks like he's got the potential to be a superstar so we'll, we'll see but in general uh, I don't again I don't play this back in five years multi-week <laughs> <laughs> world champions I know yeah I know Biggest <laughs> well, I, I don't want to focus any more on that card to be honest with you because, like I said, and like we both agreed on it, I don't think it's a great card. I think you're trying, you're trying to pull it, you're trying to sell a turd basically. That's what you're trying to do, and I, I don't, I don't want to focus too much on that. I'd rather move on and do our next segment, which is a much more enjoyable segment than this uh, matchroom show we've just been speaking about. It's this week in boxing history.
I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over! Mamma mia, he's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! So, this week in boxing history, what have we got for you this time? It's been a while. You know what? It feels like it's been quite a while since we've done this segment. I think at least a couple of weeks as of all the big fights we've had. And uh, I'm excited to get this one this week because there's uh, four or five fights on it that are uh, great fights. And quite a lot of them are, are very very recent ones or in recent memory. So, we'll go to the first one, which is the 6th of December, which is today. And it was when Kyle Froch won his first world title going 12 rounds back in 2008 with Jean Pascal in Nottingham and that's when he won the WBC super middleweight title and uh, you know what Jordi I remember that being such an absolute war for 12 rounds yeah I mean that's sort of my my overriding memory as well and I've seen a couple of clips sort of knocking about Twitter today and you know Jean Pascal being Jean Pascal but yeah what a career Carl Froch had and you know he got out at the right time went out at the top and you know, he definitely lets us know about it as well. <laughs> yeah, he never lets us forget it, doesn't he? Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that same night then, we had Manny Pacquiao decimating an old, weight-drained Oscar De La Hoya, stopping him in eight rounds in a non-title fight. De La Hoya quit on his stool after that. That was the last time we seen De La Hoya in the ring, and it was a pretty sad sight. And it was kind of the birth of, I wouldn't say the birth of Manny Pacquiao, because obviously we'd seen him in the big fights with, you know, Morales and Barrera uh, in the lower weight categories. But when he moved up, no one expected to be him to be able to go into this fight against a much bigger fighter, a guy who campaigned, you know, at two weights up from where he was at. You know, he'd been in with the likes of Hopkins, and for him to be able to. Pacquiao that is to permit for him to be able to do what he did to Oscar De La Hoya that night was, was for me was quite memorable and I'll never forget it and I've seen the clips today actually like you said on doing the rounds on Twitter it was just the way he, he battered Oscar De La Hoya from Pillar to Pulse is something I'll never forget yeah he looks so young doesn't he in the uh, in the in the clips like but you know Pacquiao now you got there's a load of rumours about whether he's actually clean and stuff you know he looks just as young now sometimes but yeah I mean that was just a classic passing of the guard wasn't it of Delahoyer on his way out and, and Manny quickly becoming a superstar He's a bit, well for me it was a big deal because of the fact that Manny Pacquiao would, this guy essentially he was down at flyweight and yet he was up at welterweight <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. That 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 was yeah. yeah, that was the ridiculous thing about it. But let's move on to the seventh of December, nineteen eighty nine. A rematch between Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran over twelve rounds. Ray Leonard beats Duran to retain the WBC super middleweight title. Duran fights as if he's just awakened from a deep sleep in that one. That was uh, I wouldn't say that was Duran's finest moment anyway. No, definitely not. I mean, we touched on it in the past few weeks and sort of the films and stuff touch on it. But yeah, I think the the less said about the run, the better. But you know, just another another couple of seconds to wax lyrical about Sugar Ray Leonard and how amazing he is. <laughs> yeah, no, that man was an absolute legend. Another one, 2002, 7th of December, a rematch, another rematch between Floyd Mayweather and Jose Luis Castillo. Now, this was a rematch of a very controversial first fight between the two earlier in that year, which warranted this rematch. Now, this uh, rematch was very one-sided and Floyd Mayweather definitively won this fight but for the people that know the boxing history that listen to this podcast will remember the first fight with Castillo where 
for me, if you're going to argue about if Floyd's ever been beaten, that was the fight, the first fight with Castillo. Yeah. He wasn't men. He will make a case, but you know, sort of off the top of my head, that one, and then when he fought Shane Mosley, he was in a bit of trouble, wasn't he? So there's not there's not that many where it sticks out for everyone. You know, there weren't many fights where he actually nearly did get beat. So especially at that point in the career when he was aggressive and he was just pushing everyone everywhere. So yeah, it's just definitely a the rematch was was probably went as the first one should have went really. Yeah, I know. Another one then, 8th of December. This one features Mr. Money Mayweather yet again. But this time, it's one that will always stick in the memory of me. And as a grown man, I've never nearly been reduced to tears than what I was on the 8th of December 2007 when Money Mayweather knocked out Ricky the hit Manhattan in 10 rounds in Las Vegas to retain the world welterweight title. I'll tell you what, Jordi, you know, like I said to you there, I've I've never been nearly reduced to tears, but that night, uh, you know, I literally I must have I must have even shed a tear that night because I remember staying up all night to watch that fight, and I thought, you know what, Hatton could do this. Hatton's an aggressive fighter. If he just gets on the inside, roughs Mayweather up, and I tell you what, when he when he catches Mayweather off balance with it, even with that jab, and he st- makes him stutter back, my word, like I was just like <laughs> jumping around that front room, like oh, it was ridiculous, but. History tells us something else. History tells us that Mayweather goes on to dominate Ricky Hatton. And, you know, there's always this talk about Cortez. Even to this day, Cortez was not a very good referee in that fight. No, he didn't, he didn't let Hatton do any work, did he? And that was sort of Hatton's game plan was to, was to be close. But he was never allowed that opportunity. But you can't be, you can't be bitter. And, you know, we've seen what Mayweather went on to do. And sort of he was maybe just a level above that. That night, but as we touched on earlier in the show, being a level below some of these elite fellas is definitely not something to be ashamed of. Absolutely not. Well, that's it. That's uh, boxing history. This week in boxing history, let's move on. We've got the final two segments of the show news and gossip and the little betting tip section. So, what's going on in the news this week? So, everyone's still focusing on the Fury Wilder fight from the weekend. Still loads of shit going around social media. You know, all these conspiracy theories about how the referee allowed more time for Fury to get up than what the what he should have done when we actually seen uh, the referee come out and make a statement about this is that he actually give gives the fighter the opportunity to be able to show that they can defend themselves and it wasn't just that Wilder was being a dick celebrating and it was his own fault he wasn't going to the neutral corner in time the referee is not going to start the count until the, the guy's in the neutral corner so if essentially he's fucked himself out of it but I did think Fury got up in the right amount of time anyway, so I just wanted to sort of nail that one on the head because that is still doing the rounds on social media. Yeah. Starting to get to me a bit now. I think it needs to be, the fight needs to be let go a bit now. Like, people are sort of coming up with these crazy theories and, you know, it's just, it, it's not not healthy really because we're just going to end up talking about it forever. I'm going to lose, like, sight of what actually happened on the night. Yeah, no, I agree. Did you uh, did you manage to see the clip of Derek Chisora's comments about how he was going to go through Dillian White like yeah, like, like a laxative? Yeah. <laughs> White's face was brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, man. Uh, it, <laughs> that's, it's... Just, that's just Chisora, isn't it? He's like, there was another video going around of him like taking a political stance on, on, on um, Brexit. Yeah, I see that. Uh, shouting at it, it's like... <laughs> The guy's just a fucking oddball. Oh man, he's funny as fuck. I wouldn't fuck. say it to his face, like, please. 
Oh, honestly, the guy is, is such a funny guy. Um, any other news this week? Yeah, obviously we touched on it earlier on. The Amir Khan, Terence Crawford potential fight. It looks like Khan's going to go in that direction, which is, again, we said it earlier, I can't blame Amir Khan if that's what he's going to do because why would you not want to take and test yourself against a guy like Terence Crawford who's regarded as one of the top fighters in the world at the moment? I wouldn't blame Khan for taking that fight if he was offered it. Oh, and it's just as I said to you earlier, the, the Brook fight's always there. Brook's got nowhere to go unless Eddie the end says he gets his hand in his pocket. Brook's Brook's onto onto a road to, to nowhere really. Can't see anyone giving him a voluntary shot. So it's just sort of bit, it's disappointing how his career's gone, but he needs calm and he needs him bad. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. I, I can't see anywhere else for, for Kel Brook. Uh, also this week, there's speculation of the April 13th opponent, frankly, Joshua being Alexander Usyk, and I think Eddie Hearn just keeps kind of trying to bring that attention over to, to away from the whole Fury situation to the, yeah. to, to, to the Joshua situation by dropping that name in there to kind of get you know social media alight and, and I don't think it's going to be Usyk I'll tell you what I'd be so surprised if it was I yeah. really you would beat him as well? I'm just going to put my I'm just going to put my colours in firmly and Usyk's corner <laughs> for that one because I think he I think he beats Joshua and I know loads of people have said to me that I'm talking with shit and all that <laughs> Late, I haven't got a clue but swear to God that Usyk will beat Joshua I, 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 you know what I said that about Fury though I've been saying this about Fury for a long time about making the comeback and losing the weight and I've said if he gets in the ring fully fit he'll beat any one of them guys like Wilder and Joshua yeah. do you know and, and no one believed me well a few people believe me but the majority wouldn't have believed me and he's just again proved that I was right I, I, you just know the guy's got talent so let's move on and let's go into a bit of a more sombre note now we touched on the unfortunate situation after the Adonis Stevenson fight last weekend uh, the doctors have confirmed that he is now stable and he's out of a critical state but there's a very good chance that he's going to have some long term consequences as a result of it which sounds pretty terrible uh, to, on, on the outset of that comment but I don't know what else to say I mean boxing's boxing yeah, it's boxing, isn't it? yeah. Well, it is people People say like you know he's he's been a controversial figure and stuff like that, but I've seen a lot of people you know who he's sort of loosely know and say like as from a media perspective that he was always graceful and he was always you know very generous with his time. So you know I don't want to jump the gun because the statement did say that it was too early to make any any like proper conclusions, but I just hope he can he can recover too to just a decent state or just just to be able to live his life I don't want to see anyone go out like that no I was I've, I've not read this entire entirely but did he did he attack someone in the past like a, a, did he attack a girl or rape a girl or something in the past because someone I don't know to be honest s- like I think sometimes rumours get lost in rumours don't they so I, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you like for sure because I'm just not that clued up enough on the whole situation just read some of that was all on social media where it was something to do about the fact that yeah okay he's going to have these um you know he might be brain damaged and he might have paralysis and stuff like that but yeah what about them girls from years ago and it sounded like or or alluding to the fact that he might have been involved in some something to do with the girls years ago and you know that what i've kind of got the impression of is maybe he'd attacked someone or sexually assaulted someone but i can't confirm 
confirm that and I'm not going to confirm that because I don't actually 100% know that's so why I was just seeing if you'd seen anything else on Twitter about it no or... I mean I've seen the, the rumours about you know even some people being very unhonourable about the whole situation with being that that might stem back from, from what you're saying but as I said sometimes rumours get lost within rumours and unless unless you know for sure then you probably we all should just probably keep our mouth shut to be honest yeah, maybe I better shut up now before I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I cause some upset to some people. No, genuinely though, you know, regardless of, of whatever has happened outside of the ring, you know, I hope that he, you know he is able to to continue his life in a fashion, and I hope that he's not completely um, to, to to a point where he's not got any quality of life. Because at the end of the day, this guy's been trying to perform at the highest level for quite a long time now, and it's it's, it's not the greatest part of boxing; it's the worst part of boxing, and that's why a lot of people out there, protesters, don't want the sport to be around but you know the guys obviously they know, they know what risk they're getting into when they do this and fair play to them for having the balls to step in there it's easy enough to sit behind a microphone uh, you know or sit behind the camera and, and, and critique people over stuff but you know when this stuff happens you, you've got to give massive respect to, to everybody that's involved in the sport yeah, definitely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. So, I haven't really got anything else in terms of news. It's uh, it's all really heavily focused on Fury Wilder and the Joshua putting his 10 pence in. And, you know, I think uh, I think it's going to be until next week, until we get some actual decent news coming out of it and not just flooded with all this stuff. So, it yeah. kind of leads us nicely on, really, to the end. And the little betting tips that you've got, you, your betting tip nearly came off last weekend. But... Oh, mate, we, we were close, <laughs> weren't we? I mean, that's why I think why all these videos those are the seconds and stuff like that I think that's where they're killing me so much because sort of we had especially on the double side of things which was 6-1 to one, um, Jared Heard obviously got the first leg done and then I thought Wilder had won it for us but you know it went to be and our single was obviously for Wilder to win by KO as well but you know that's better and we, we were close but just not quite there but I think this week it's quite tough and um, I've sort of had a look round and the only bet I'll be going with really is for Kel to Kelbrook to win in between one and six rounds. It's eleven to ten, so pretty much just over double your money, whatever state you decide to put on. But as we've seen in the past when, when Kel fights these sort of level fighters, you know, think back to your Jojo Dans, Kevin Busier's, people like that. He seems to sort of get the he gets the job done quick. It's his problems come when he fights anyone, you know, sort of at the same level as him. So I think this fight will be over quickly. I think he'll have a bit of anger and a bit of frustration towards Khan and want to make a statement. So, yeah, I think to get get on Kel, Kel Brook between rounds one and six, as I said, 11 to 10, it, it's probably a safe bet for me. Where where do you get that bet from? Is it like Sky Bet or something like that? Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, Sky Bet are probably the best odds at the minute. They're definitely 11 to 10. Not every bookmaker's play stuff yet. Sometimes the case of boxing, they're not as switched on. But, yeah, I think Sky Bet are the best... Um, are the best odds at the moment but there's a site called Odds Checker where you can go on there and you can sort of see where you can get the best price but a lot of my a lot of my bets are uh, based on Betfair but yeah Sky Better the best price at the moment well there you go go with Jordy's tips we'll see what happens if you uh, if you actually end up winning something off it give us a tweet and let us know because I would really be interested to know whether any of these uh, genuinely actually come through for people out there I remember seeing the if video we get like six weeks in and we haven't won a single one we'll just cut this segment <laughs> give up <laughs> yeah <laughs> this, cut the segment just cut it out this 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 segment never existed uh, did you see just on that just on that note Jordy did you see the guy who was it a 25 to 1 and he put 500 quid down for a draw yeah do you see that video how the fuck do you do that yeah ridiculous <laughs> that, is a, that was a 50 grand 
lucky the luckiest bet. Well, it wasn't two hundred and fifty grand. Someone worked it out. It was actually only twelve and a half grand or something like that. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I should know that. I just seen the, the actual <laughs> tag for the video was a uh, fellow wins two hundred and fifty grand, doesn't it? Yeah, fake. That's obviously, that's obviously what I've read. What I've read, but yeah. fake news alert. That. Uh, at the end of the day, he's won a lot of money, so. Bastard, oh, bastard. <laughs> that's all I can say, bastard. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. I think that's <laughs> it. <laughs> I think that's it. Is there anything else on your mind this week? No, I've not seen. Sort of, you've covered everything. I mean, only tiny bit of news that I've seen, and it's sort of following on from something we spoke about a few weeks ago. Uh, Dave Allen has gone up to Adam Booth, but apparently he's, he's decided to knock that in the head, and he's sticking with Mick Marsden now. He's such he's a lazy bastard. I'm know, telling you, that, that, so, that's his problem. It's disappointing, isn't it? I'm sure. Um, I don't know whether it'll pay off, but you know, who are we to make them decisions? But yeah, I just thought I'd let everyone know in case they'd caught that bit of news a couple of weeks ago, just to see that that's obviously not come to fruition and he's staying with Mick Marsden. Adam Booth won't put up with his laziness and that is the truth of the matter and that is probably why he's not staying down there. I honestly don't know if it is down to the fact he wants to stay with Marsden because Adam Booth, man, he's, he's a world-class trainer and why would you not Why would you not want that guy in your corner? He's a master tactician, do you know, and it's a big chance for that for Alan but for me, I just think he's, he's a lazy guy and when he comes to training outside of the ring, he says it himself, he's, he's a lazy guy and, and, and that's half the problem with him and he could be an half decent fighter if he really got himself you know into the right mentality but anyway let's leave that for another day when he gets another fight and another pay-per-view and we'll talk about that uh, another <laughs> time but no that's it that's it guys for this week so if you as always if you've enjoyed the episode and you've enjoyed the additional bit of comedic comments uh, and, and curse words that we've been throwing in there it just seems to be getting more and more frustrated each week and they're all just coming out now they're just slipping out into the podcast I didn't want to become one of them podcasts that just uh, swears all the time but I'm starting to feel like we're uh, maybe going down that route a little bit when we get frustrated with bad judges Boxing's a funny game mate it sends you sends you a bit loopy I know, I'm telling you. Well, like I said to everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for all the reactions to the shows that we've done over the past week. I'm glad you've all enjoyed the Legendary Night series. You're going to get the next one coming up for you in the next 24 to 48 hours. That'll be coming out. And then we're going to be starting some other new stuff up soon. So find us on Twitter at BTR Boxing Pod, Facebook, Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. You can find myself at Sean Bastow ESBR and at Jordan Neald for Jordan Neald. And if there's any other comments, feedback, likes, shares, all the rest of it, you know the score by now. Appreciate you all. Thanks so much. Much love. See you next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.